Hey everybody, this is B, And this is Leslie, and you're listening to Getting Shitfaced, a podcast where two friends across the country from each other get together over drinks and talk about our favorite show, Shit's Creek. This week, we're discussing the second episode of season six, The Incident. And what an episode it was, Leslie. It was quite the episode. We start the episode with David living through something literally no one ever wants to live through, when a childhood issue, wetting the bed, comes back to haunt him. Patrick is very Patrick about it, and somehow what could be a cringy episode is a look at two people learning more about each other as they settle into their life together for the long term. Meanwhile, Moira and Alexis tackle a social media takeover for the Crows movie, and that goes exactly how you think a takeover on social media with Moira Rose would go. And Johnny and Stevie and Roland attend an open house for a motel that they potentially want to buy, but it turns out they're there for a funeral showing. And finally, Stevie takes a moment to talk to Mr. Rose about how she potentially is not in the motel business for the long run. So there was a lot there that we could have picked from for our drink for this episode, and we decided that we wanted to honor one of Moira's dear friends, Wine and Cat Gal 74, by drinking Kitty Highballs. Traditionally, this drink is made with equal parts red wine and ginger ale, but we went with a slightly spruced up version that mixes red wine with ginger syrup, lime juice, and soda water. There's a recipe that we have that we'll post to our show notes, but you can kind of play around with the proportions to make something that tastes right for your taste buds. And you can use whatever kind of red wine you prefer. I used a Cap Sav in mine. B, what did you use in yours? I used a dark red blend, and it was real good, but I think I might go with something sweeter if I ever did it again. But I also did use a little bit of orange juice, just because I put a little slice of orange on the side, and I think that worked well in it, too. Nice. I like that. Wine and Cat Gal 74 would be very proud of us. I think she would. There's a lot to unpack with this episode, and we're starting with the smallest plot line. Johnny, Roland, and Stevie are uh, spending some quality time together at a motel. Isn't it Elmdale, Leslie? I don't know if they really say. They said it took about 20 minutes to get there. Elmdale is about 40 minutes, I think. So yeah, I'm not sure where this motel is. It's somewhere around there. Um, Geography, also an interesting concept (laughs) in Schitt's Creek. But they um, set up a viewing. A a viewing. A showing? (laughs) A viewing. (laughs) They set up a showing of this motel that is for sale and head on out there, not telling Stevie that that, that's what they're going to do. They kind of spring it on her and they show up for what they think is a view, uh, a show. (laughs) (laughs) Look, Roland couldn't get it right. It's understandable if you can't get it right. (laughs) Yes. They, for a showing of the motel property, turns up, it's a viewing of the motel owner and his funeral. You know, as as tends to happen, right? We've all been there. <laughs> We've all spontaneously showed up at weddings or funerals. <laughs> at least spontaneously showing up at a wedding would make sense, or at least be fun. Yes. I haven't accidentally crashed a lot of funerals in my life. No. No, I think I'm pretty safe on that one. But as you can see, it's rife with comedy, just the setup of it. Can't even get it out. Um, And so we kind of see how they try to navigate showing up at a funeral, um, not knowing the people, and the wife of the man who dies wanting to know who they are and why they're there. And there are many explanations that they come up with for why they're there. (laughs) 
I think the thing that I liked best about this plotline is that it puts them all in the situation of basically being Johnny at Carl's funeral way back in season one. Yes! At least there's no Danny Boy being sung this time, but it's still just as funny. And I love that they've gone back to this plotline. Right. And Johnny has learned nothing from his last attempt at this. He has not learned how to bullshit his way out of showing up at a funeral for someone he's supposed to know yet. No, but he does find yet another egg salad sandwich to like. He does. He does. And I like how we, I mean, I feel like we definitely know the show is set in Canada now because they say they were on the curling team with Benny. Yeah, I feel like the first five seasons they spend kind of dancing around whether or not it's Canada or the US. Like they wanted to make it, you know, equally palatable to both. But now they've just, season six, they're like, yes, it's Canadian. (laughs) Like, we're just not going to play around with this anymore. There is not a single curling league in the United States. I say that, and I'm sure there are, but. I think there are actually some here in the town where I live. (laughs) Oh, the more you learn. But yes, and the whole thing, it just has just these tiny little moments of comedy, which I think the whole episode does. But like, Benny and Betty. Roland thinks their names are like puppets, and he didn't quite realize who he was talking to because he was making the appointment for the um, real estate showing while on the lawnmower. (laughs) (laughs) And then when they walk in, and he tells Johnny to watch his language because a man is dead, like, Roland just had a lot of really great little one-liner quippy moments in this one, and they were so good. They are so good, and they're all just like, playing off of each other so well and just you know why these three are together um on the show when you see this scene and of course stevie not wanting to be there through any of it stevie not wanting to be there doesn't know why like i love how it was like a surprise stevie we're gonna buy another motel not talk to you about it even if she was on board with doing that but i would like to point out that hearkening back to our very first episode it is a motel empire it is. They literally called it a motel empire. They called it a motel empire. So Johnny is actually trying to build one. So I'm excited to see who's going to be the czar. <laughs> well, from what it looks like, it's not going to be Stevie, according to this episode, at least. But, you know, Johnny said he has some hope that she's going to come back down the road. Um, and I do, too. I think that I love this plot line for her of getting to go out and explore herself and figure out what she really wants and not just do what she's always done. But I do think that there's a good chance that maybe at the end of it, she comes back to them and says, this is where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. And I kind of like, I love the idea of Stevie going off and like doing her own thing, but I also, and it may not be what everyone thinks. I kind of like that she goes out and realizes this is where she's meant to be. Like she's built this family with the roses and yeah. Johnny's just like her dad. And so her going out and Like, that's reality, too, for a lot of people. You go out, you try new things, and then you know that where you come from is where you're meant to be. So we'll see. Well, and I like the way that it sort of is the inverse of the Roses story, right? So they end up going from being very worldly to living in this small town, and that's how they figure out who and what they're supposed to be. And she has kind of the opposite journey if she goes off and tries to see the world and become someone else, and then ultimately discovers that who she was all along is who she's meant to be. And so I like the way that those two mirror each other as opposites. Right. It'll be interesting to see. I love how they're just slowly 
piece by piece building this just little little hints of it as we go along and i think in the next episode we see it kind of takes takes a big jump for stevie yeah and i i know that dan's talked a lot about in interviews about how he knew it was going to end obviously quite a while ago now and how he's been trying to you know work toward that all along and i like the way that you can see that through these episodes they don't feel like filler there is a purpose to them it's not like we're just having fun until the last episode rolls around and now we're going right. to wrap everything up. You can still see all this progress being made just like they've been making all along in all the seasons. Uh, and so I like that nothing has changed in that sense about the show. Right. So we kind of end with that conversation between Stevie and uh, Mr. Rose. So we'll see what happens. Like it was sad and, and lovely though when she walks out of the room at the very end where you see he's kind of like not upset but like just a little unsure and like that's such a dad moment uh for johnny and so um i love that relationship so much you also have to figure that that's not really a conversation that he ever had with alexis necessarily Mm -hmm. like she went off into her modeling career and doing whatever else she was doing running around the world and they probably never had that moment where she said hey this is what i want to go out and do she is definitely the sort of person who probably just went out and started doing it And so it's nice that he has that sort of father-daughter moment here almost uh, to make up for that. Yeah, it's very sweet. That is one thing that's happening in this episode out of many. The other thing that's happening is Moira and Alexis are doing a social media takeover uh, with Interflix for the Crows movie. They've picked up the movie and now they're planning... Um, the announcement and part of that announcement is Moira Rose taking over their social media accounts, which is going to turn out just exactly, if not worse, than what you think it is. I love that it starts out with her questioning whether or not Alexis can effectively channel her voice <laughs> and then turns into this sort of weird PR nightmare. <laughs> I love that Moira says to Alexis that she is not like necessarily comfortable with her speaking in her voice for her because her humor is more cerebral than Alexis's <laughs> is. So she pretty quickly decides that she is going to do the takeover. And so I am just really interested in the person who is the actual social media person for Enterflix because I do social media for a living. And I would never let Moira Rose take over my social media accounts with the password, like she could send me some stuff, maybe. But what about her screams? Give me access to your accounts. I I don't know. It's it's. It, I might have nightmares about this. <laughs> well, I love that she takes to it so quickly because of the fact that she's getting likes. As soon as she starts getting likes, she is into it because we know Moira loves a good popularity contest. It's how she got elected as town councilor. It's the same thing mm-hmm. here. She's just she sees a like, she has to go for it. She has to perform. There's an audience waiting for her. Yeah, it's an audience at her disposal. And I mean, she has gone viral with just five likes, which is a new record. <laughs> um, but she also, in true Moira Rose fashion, she has to kind of take some people down with her. <laughs> she does this. <laughs> and the person that uh, is kind of on the receiving end of that is David, because she comes to the store, the austere little gallery space of Rose Apothecary to introduce David and Patrick to her friends, which are her friends slash fans. And in the kind of 
introducing the world uh, to Rose Apothecary accidentally lets the entire world know that David had a bit of an accident the night before. An oopsie daisy. An oopsie daisy. <laughs> Which always reminds me of Notting Hill. <laughs> David would appreciate that. One grown man never says oopsie daisy. But she she records her own accidental podcast uh, and yeah. transmits to the world and, and Ronnie uh, about what's happened to David the night before. And then spends the rest of the episode trying to kind of make up for that, but not trying too hard. Yeah, Alexis isn't exactly helping the situation there either. Obviously, they call Patrick in as sort of backup for this situation. But Alexis isn't very quick in taking the video down, which some of it is, you know, just being annoying little sister. And some of it probably is that, you know, she's trying to do her job. And Moira's getting some actual traction here, it seems, with this video. So as much of a PR nightmare as it starts out for her, it seems like maybe it doesn't turn out quite so bad. And she, I love that moment where she picks up the phone and says that she's deleted it. And you just see her like blindly tapping the screen. And she's not actually trying to do anything. <laughs> yeah. She's a good PR person. She is. Um, at the detriment to her brother. But uh, it's a super fun uh, little moment. And again, so much room for comedy. Like the little touches of Moira's friends um, that we see throughout the episode that are helping her along the way, learning how to do a living stream. <laughs> I also love the the hints you get of what Moira has said about social media in the past via Alexis and Twyla where we get these comments about how she's always thought of social media as a terrible thing. Right. And then the minute she gets some eyeballs on her, she's like, like so into it. I love when she is like, if they want to extend the contract, I'll have to think about it. And she has a bad little wink because <laughs> she is loving the attention. She is. Um, and I couldn't, since I do do social media for a living, I could not talk about the fun. If you haven't seen this, um, the fun little extras that um, the Schitt's Creek social media team has put online. They are Webby Award winners for a reason. Uh, so if you actually go to at Interflix on Twitter, they've been populating the Interflix account since December um, with all the things Moira has been doing, <laughs> including the deleted video. Uh, and so you should definitely check that out. Um, some other people kind of got in and were playing around with being the other uh, the, the other friends. And so if you search any of those names they talk about in the episode, you can actually find Twitter profiles for them. Uh, and it's such a fun little extra um, for people that really pay attention to the show. I love when they do extra little things like that for people who choose to seek them out. So this with the Interflix on Twitter or last year when they made the actual playbill for Cabaret, just little things like that. Right. They just kind of extend the experience out into real life. It's nice. Yeah. And you can tell they really think about like that they have care for the show, like that the playbill, the baseball cards for the MVP. Yes. Um, they really have attention to detail and that's what makes the show even better. Um, and now we have to talk about the best part of the episode, um, which if you had told me this was going to be the best part of the episode um, without knowing what it was, I would have thought you were crazy. But the David and Patrick of it all. I think we do have to talk about that, though, because if you saw the clip that they showed on Ellen, then you kind of knew a bit about what was coming in this episode. And just the concept of it 
you and I have talked about this in the first episode that we both have some some secondhand embarrassment that we sometimes get right. and that like we can't really watch, you know, the olive branch, the lip sync, for instance, without kind of covering our faces. So I wasn't necessarily worried about this episode because it's a comedy and, and it's always well done. But just that little little bit of anxiety that you feel on David's behalf, knowing what's coming for him. Right. But it turns out to be such a sweet episode. It does. And that is, could have so easily been cringy and awkward. And that would have served like the comedy of it. But it turns out so good. And the comedy, I think, is so much better because it isn't cringy. I mean, it is a little, but <laughs> a little bit cringy, but it's not awkward. It's not like mean jokes at his expense. So I don't know, Leslie, do you want to give people a recap <laughs> of what happens? <laughs> do I? I? I don't even know how you would recap it. No. Because the cold open and the scene that follows the opening credits of that next morning are so good and every line in it is perfect it's perfect and like you said it's it's not mean it's there's patrick is trying to joke with david to, because that's how their normal dynamic works mm -hmm. so he's trying to kind of make him laugh about it a little like it's not that big of a deal that it, we can just be a little funny and ridiculous about it and when that doesn't quite work he you know takes it a little more seriously throughout the rest of the episode and eventually we get to the end scene which is very sweet but in the cold open, there's just so many funny lines right. between the two of them, between David's reaction at all of it in the first place and Patrick trying to calm him down. If they don't submit this episode for the both of them for the Emmys, I don't know. But like this is like a perfect comedic timing. And those two work so well together as actors, but like... Mm -hmm. The sweetness and the loveliness always come through, and there's always like those good little moments of comedy. But like this episode, like their comedic timing back and forth, it kept reminding me of Noah saying he wanted to be Catherine to Dan's Eugene, and like you can see it because they have perfect comedic timing together. The whole cold open is just—I've <laughs> watched it like ten times today. I definitely have a list of like my favorite cold opens and this goes really high on the list. My favorite ones are all the ones with like some classic Rose family bickering, right? So like the motel guest cold open where they're yelling at each other through the wall or opening night where they're all in David's room with Jake. Those are my favorite ones by far. And this definitely goes up in that list because it's the same level of back and forth banter, but just between the two of them. Yeah, like right from the beginning, they just time it so well. Like there's like the sleepy, what the hell is happening <laughs> to kind of like that little no when he realizes what has happened and he doesn't want Patrick to know is like someone wrote, if that no does not win Dan Levy an Emmy, <laughs> I don't know what would. I was sort of watching the episode through my fingers at the start of this, right? So I just in anticipation of the embarrassment, right? So I am watching through my fingers as this whole first part is happening. But as soon as David is out of the bed, I was dying laughing and just the rest of it was fine from there. Yeah, it was like right away. And I love that Patrick cannot help himself but be a bit of a shit to David. <laughs> but I think that's what helps. Like David is ready to jump out the window. Literally. Literally <laughs> jump out the window. But Patrick just being Patrick, I think... That actually helps David and helps him kind of face the music uh, together. Right. Patrick's just treating it as something totally normal. This is not any different 
than any other day just because this happened. It's just business as usual. Right. A little bit odd, but we're going to talk it through. We'll be okay. And the the line of, I love you, at least someone does. What a great way to end a cold open. So great. And then I loved that they immediately came back to them right after that. Yes. And they're kind of dealing with the aftermath of that. You know, you're kind of in the moment and now you have to like face the music of someone seeing you at your most vulnerable. Both Patrick being so understanding and putting a plastic sheet on his bed. (laughs) I want to know, did he have that around already? Did he run out and buy that during a shower? Like, what is the story? This is something we should investigate. But I love that whole moment when he sits down on the bed. And there's such, like, it's such good acting, too, because he's, like, trying to, like, stumble over himself to be like, no, no, I didn't. It was the mattress tag. (laughs) And he's just, like, so quickly trying to, like, cover up. And he's looking away like he can't even see it. And David's not having any of it. Basically, what I would like to put in this podcast is just the episode because it's it speaks for itself. It's so funny. <laughs> Every single part of this episode, of this plot line in particular. I mean, the other plot lines are great, too. Right. Don't get me wrong. They are very funny. The Schitt's Creek Twitter account said this was the most gifs they've ever made for an episode. And after watching it, we can see right. why. There are so many great moments in this. Just from start to finish, it is absolutely hilarious. And yeah, like... We can't even really talk about it. All we do is laugh. Because <laughs> you just think about, like, how do you, how do you explain like, the look that David gives Patrick as he backs into the bathroom after he's put the sheet on? <laughs> it's great, guys. Go watch it 27 more times. Every single bit of the acting from both of them in this episode is incredible. <laughs> but it also just, like, in the midst of that... After you've watched it 27 times and you're thinking about this, that like there's this little life they've built together already and like getting ready together in the morning and um, they have like their little routines together and this has thrown it off a bit, but they're still there. And I love how it, it phases David, but it doesn't phase David with Patrick. Like he may, they make jokes about getting a divorce, but it doesn't phase that relationship in a way I think some other shows would. Right. He's, He's clearly embarrassed by it, but he's not fretting that this is the end Right on Patrick's part, at least. He's not worried that Patrick's going to leave him for this. He just is ready to right. die of embarrassment himself, as we all would. But he doesn't have that fear response that he might have had in earlier seasons. And another thing that I really liked about it was seeing how often David seems to spend the night as Patrick. So like you said, they've got kind of this routine that they've built that here you can see now that there is a small bedside table behind the chair next to David's side of the bed where he can, you know, put his engagement rings when he takes mm-hmm. them off at night. He's got his clothes there on the chair and his shoes tucked underneath. Like it's all very neat and tidy and like they've done this a lot. And thinking back, you know, the last time that we saw David in his own bed, was the morning of the hike. And so the idea that since they've been engaged, they've been spending a lot more time together at Patrick's is really sweet. Yeah. And like even Patrick says when he puts the sheet on, I just want you to be comfortable if it happens again, basically saying tomorrow, um, because he knows he's going to be around. Um, And so they're kind of just building this life together. And I think that that is a key theme of this in all this hilarity that you are coming together as a as two people and like this is for the long term so now we're we're getting past the like cute stuff we're getting past the like all the fun exciting beginning part and really learning how to be real with each other i love that how they kind of approach that and 
what is an embarrassing moment kind of brings them to a next level of like intimacy in terms of like starting to really know a person. Yeah, you don't really know someone until you live with them, you know? And so the more time that they spend together, the more moments like this they're going to have where things might not always be cute and fun and sweet. And you have to figure out how to navigate those together. And so it's a very realistic step for them Mm -hmm. along their journey. And I like that we see that in addition to the fact that it is also ultimately cute and fun and sweet. Yeah. And that you see Patrick just like bending over backwards to make this like less of a like embarrassment for David when he is in that scene with Moira and Alexis and he (laughs) is trying so hard to like smooth things over, make this as easy as possible on David. And he's willing to just sit there and wait for Alexis to finally delete this video off the internet. I love seeing more scenes of Patrick with David's family without David around. It gives you an idea of just how much he cares, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, it's easy to go to bat for someone when they're standing next to you. It's a lot harder to do it. If you watch his face when he walks into that scene, and the way he kind of stumbles through the beginning of asking them what's going on, there's definitely a level of fear there. He doesn't know what he's walking into. He probably thinks they're going to give him some kind of weird shovel talk, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I can't imagine what that would be like coming from Moira and Alexis in particular. (laughs) But he thinks that, you know, there's something bad is going to be said here. And... As soon as he realizes what's actually going on, he immediately steps up to bat on David's behalf and says, take it down. Like, why why is it still up? Take it down. He can't know about this. Like, trying to figure out how to fix it just as quickly as he can and make it as easy on David Mm -hmm. as possible. It also hints at, like, the closeness that's becoming more and more apparent between the Roses and Patrick. Like, Mm -hmm. Patrick isn't afraid to, like, be like, I'm going to sit here until you take that down to Alexis. Um, He's not afraid to be a little bit more stern with them. And I think that that speaks to how they are coming together as an extended family as well. Yeah, and we got Alexis booping him on the nose in the last episode. Like, there's clearly a lot of love and interaction between the family and Mm -hmm. Patrick. And he really is becoming one of them. Yeah. So that takes us to the last scene of the episode, which is classic Patrick and David sweetness. It is. And also, again, just rife with humor. So good. Um, Right from the beginning where, where Patrick's trying to kind of keep David from really talking about what Moira is doing on the internets, <laughs> which I love because I say internets all the time, but kind of feeling out how to keep David off his phone and not getting back on social media and segueing into them kind of talking about Patrick's dirty secrets, his mouth guard, and his nose thing. (laughs) Nose thing. I love that it doesn't have a real name. It's just his nose thing. (laughs) It's nose thing, which I, in my mind, he went out and bought that thing that day just to be like, so like he has a mouth guard, sure, but he went out and found the most ridiculous thing he could to make David feel better. As someone, uh, a journalist said, it is the season of no read uh, because he does have such perfect (laughs) comedic timing with putting that all in and just like the little things like taking the breath with the thing in his nose. (laughs) Yes, it's all so well done. 
David's reaction to that is so perfect too. Just how he's clearly like thrown off a little by it, but also just jumps right in and is fully there for Patrick revealing this about himself to make David feel better. He's completely charmed by it. And I love that it kind of harkens back to the croning and the finger thimbles. (laughs) Yes. Where David kind of just loves these dorky things about Patrick. Yeah, they love each other for exactly who they are. Yeah, mouth guards and plastic sheets and all. Leslie, what was your favorite line from this episode? Because I know I have my favorite, even though it was really hard. It was. It was really hard to pick one for this one. And ultimately, I didn't even settle on a line. I settled on more of a gesture slash expression. (laughs) Because for me, I think that the thing that absolutely killed me the most in this episode was when David is sitting on the bed in that first scene after the credits and he's asking Patrick what the plastic cover on the mattress is and he he does that little like picking motion at it where he's trying to like pick at the sheet and then just gives him that look of incredulity like how could you possibly do this it's just there's no words needed it is absolutely hysterical That there are so many words in there, so I would count that as a line because it is such a look of betrayal <laughs> as he's picking at the nasty sheet. What about you? I mean, it has to be from that same two scenes at the beginning from the cold open when David is literally trying to get as far away from Patrick after realizing what's happened. And he says, uh, do we have to file divorce if we were never married? Which in and of itself is hilarious. And his delivery is like so funny. <laughs> but then Patrick says, we're not getting a divorce yet. I still have to see if I can get the stain out of the sheet. <laughs> like, I might still divorce you if I can't. <laughs> He's such a little shit and I love it. And then Dave is going to jump out the window. They're both just so perfectly timed in that. <laughs> not even phased that he's going to still make a joke about it and i may have watched that scene many 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 times just for that delivery it's so good and then you get the little call back to it in the next scene where he says maybe we can take divorce off the table and you can tell he's like a little bit serious about it i know he's so worried he doesn't want to actually think about the idea of potentially divorcing david down the road he wants to take it back already <laughs> right and i love that this like they're married they are they're talking about divorce they are married we're there i mean i still want a wedding but <laughs> these are two married people i love that like we're getting to see that even before we see a wedding um especially since this is the last season we're getting those moments of these two with their their lives in front of them yeah well and i thought about that a lot in this episode in particular because of the idea of what it is like for them to live together we're not going to get a lot of that once the wedding happens mm-hmm. whenever it happens whether some people think it might be the actual finale. Some people think it might be earlier. Whenever it is, we're not going to get you know episodes and episodes and episodes down the road after it to see what their lives are like together as a married couple. And so we're getting the hints of that now. We can't talk about an episode and not talk about the fashion. So, of course, we have to take a dive into that now. And there's certainly some things to talk about in this one. Yes. One thing that I particularly want to talk about is David's pajama shirts. Yes. <laughs> I mean... Most people probably wouldn't wear these as pajamas. They're not exactly cheap Hanes t-shirts. No. But, you know, that would it wouldn't be David Rose if he wasn't wearing something ridiculous and expensive to bed. But we see him in these two shirts here. We've got the Bianca Chandon uh, lover t-shirt that he's wearing in the opening scene. And then he's wearing a Comme de Garçon 
long sleeved striped shirt in the closing scene. And those two with the little pops of red, which is, you know, a kind of an unusual thing for David in the first place. But we've got lover on one. We've got the heart on another. And then we've also seen in some of the promos and stuff that there are some other similar themed sorts of pieces and in the sale as well that might be coming up down the road. And so I like that David is sort of wearing his heart on his sleeve, mm-hmm. so to speak, that, you know, we see these these outfit choices here now. These are private with just Patrick, but maybe down the road, they're going to be a little more public where he's really, you know, showing how in love he is at this point. And I love that for him. Yeah, he's got love on the mind and he's really excited about it. And he has various ways of showing it through clothes, <laughs> wiggles, and wetting the bed. Wetting the bed. <laughs> Can I talk about the fact that I have that striped shirt and I was wearing it while watching the episode and I was just like, oh my God. I love that you knew that you didn't you didn't know but you knew somehow that you needed to wear it for this episode. I subconsciously knew. We're we're on the same same wavelength in terms of fashion, Dan Levy and I, clearly. I mean, who doesn't love some good come to Garcon? I know I love it so much. And I wish I could buy lots of it and wear this shirt as a pajama shirt, which I will not. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk about the sweater, which we kind of teased in the last episode. But we weren't quite sure how David was going to wear it. So I hadn't quite made up my mind about this sweater. So it's the Random Identities um, mohair dotted hoodie that David wears um, while in the store. And there's some interesting fashion choices uh, you can make with this hoodie. It's very versatile, I'll say. Uh, but right off the bat, David wears it. I like it on David. It's like super cute. Um, just a lovely little hoodie. It's soft. I feel like he needed like that like comfort with the day he's having. He's got his like very soft hoodie on and his Rick Owens joggers. He's he's there for comfort. Yeah, he looks like he's wearing a hug. He looks like he's wearing a hug, which he definitely needs um that day. But we can include in the show notes how you can wear this sweater, which I'm almost sad they did not have David do because <laughs> you can basically turtle into that hood. It like cinches down around your head and that is how it is depicted in the with the model it is hilarious and so i almost just wanted him like i imagine that's what he was doing when he ran away out of the store he like went off somewhere and he just turtled himself into that little hood and so you have you have to see it but if you are considering buying this lovely sweater it is available online um it's only two hundred dollars i mean that's fairly reasonable for a lot of the clothes on this show um and you too can wear it with some great culottes that are in the model's picture you thought i was going to give up on those culottes but there are new culottes to talk about um so be sure to check out uh, our show notes and how great this sweater and its outfit is i would really rather wear them with the rick owens joggers i don't love a lot of rick owens no but those are great i love those joggers they're so great. They look so comfy. They they do not have the uh, overt dropped crotch. Um, and I just think about all the things I could put in those pockets. We also have to talk about some non-David fashion. Uh, so let's talk about Moira's look in this episode. She's wearing this really incredible Alexander McQueen jacket with the buttons all down the front of it with the sort of like ruffled placket. Mm-hmm. And then she has on that sequined like fringe they made fringe out of strands of sequins for this skirt by uh, MSGM. It is a great look. And I think like, it's almost a little bit understated, <laughs> dare I say understated <laughs> from Moira. 
especially in a silver sequin skirt. Silver sequin skirt. It's a little understated, but I love that. And I love like thinking of her doing that live stream and that outfit and how great it would look. It's almost a conservative look for her. Or at least it's kind of like a mullet. It's business on the top, party on the bottom. <laughs> but she pulls it off so well. And that jacket is just perfectly tailored um, to Catherine. And it's killer. It is. Speaking of parties. <laughs> <laughs> what a segue. <laughs> Speaking of parties. Can we talk about the denim on denim look that Patrick Brewer is pulling off in this episode, which is just a delight. It is. It's almost a Canadian tuxedo. I love it. This is actually my favorite Patrick look ever. I am totally here for the denim on denim look. It is perfectly matched in terms of like the colors of the denim. He's got the sleeves rolled up. It's just, it's a really good sort of classic look for him that's his color palette. So we're not in green this mm-hmm. week, but it's still just kind of taken to a new level. Like he's still experimenting with his fashion a little bit from what we've seen so far this season he's feeling it out this season i imagine i think i told you this leslie where rattlesnake point where where patrick hikes is is like 10 miles away from the toronto outlet mall (laughs) and patrick has just got some new looks recently so i feel like maybe one day he went on a hike then he went to the outlet mall and he just he is gonna be a married man he had to get some new looks and (laughs) We're we're here for it. As long as he didn't get his wedding tux at the outlet mall, we're good. I don't think that I I I think David would never allow that, but <laughs> I think a good denim shirt from maybe like J. Crew yeah. is happening. <laughs> it's a good look for him, so I mean, you know, you can't really complain with wherever it came from. That kind of brings us to the next episode, Leslie. Next week's episode is called The Job Interview. Johnny and Moira endeavor to secure an investor for the new motel, while Alexis and Ted struggle with long distance. And obviously, there'll be a job interview somewhere in this episode. I mean, you would think so from the title. Yeah, and we've definitely seen that in the in the preview, and we've seen some in the behind the scenes um, that the show released. Kind of what I'm assuming is in this episode is David and Stevie um, going to the airline for a job interview potentially which of course gives us a great david fashion moment that we have to talk about i'm sure we'll talk about it plenty next week but let's preview it very briefly david rose is wearing levi's jeans and sporting the youth pastor look (laughs) stevie's words and i can't wait to see it number one pulls it off very true um so i can't wait to see him spend potentially most of the episode in that whole outfit that is supposed to belong to Patrick. But I have questions on the proportions of that. <laughs> Listen, logic has to go a little bit out the window on this. And we're just going to suspend our disbelief and assume that that comes from Patrick's closet. And I'm totally here for it. Yes, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think another thing that we only have heard hints of, so I will only say like the broadest sense, is in some of the articles about or the reviews of season six, people were hinting that Bob maybe has a new fashion forward outfit made entirely of leather. I'm interested to see to see where that's going to go. I just want to see Bob jog around in all leather. That's that's what I want. I mean, if you're going to have a bob in an episode, you got to have a good bob jog, right? There's a leather bob jog coming your way. <laughs> all right. Well, 
I think that that covers everything this week, right? I think so. There was a lot happening this week, so if we missed something, forgive us. I'm sure you'll find us screaming about it elsewhere online. Yes. Speaking of, be sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at shitfacedpod. And if you want to find us personally, you can find me on Twitter at Leslie the Baker. And you can find me, even though I'm B, you can find me at Brandy with an I in Indy on Twitter. And be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts because it'll help more people to find the show. And thank you to everyone who's listened to us um, the past few weeks. We really appreciate it and love the reviews that you guys have left for us. They've been very sweet. So thank you so much. So that's it. Everybody have a great week and we'll see you next week. See you around. Bye. Bye. Bye.